and welcome back to Save by Old Times. This is a musical discussion podcast where we are taking an unauthorized and very unofficial look into every single album by the band Deer Hunter. Today, we are looking at Rainwater Cassette Exchange EP. It's a fun little side trip, and because you've all been such good kids, you were very brave at the dentist, you ate all your vegetables, and so today, after soccer practice, we will take you out for ice cream, we'll go do Rainwater Cassette Exchange EP. I can't uh, believe it. Ice cream? <laughs> ice yes. cream. And taking you out for ice cream with me today, your parent slash co-host is Mr. <laughs> David Vance. Dave, how you doing? Oh, I'm at the front of the line. That's that's nice. how I'm doing. I wasn't uh, sure in this metaphor if you were a, a child or if you were also like my co-parent. It was doesn't honestly matter. it was I'm, a bit messy. I'm elbowing my way to the front of the line and I'm getting that shit first. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's going on? For- not much, man. This is a beer hunter number two. Number two, I can't number believe two. it. Um, so our second one, and then we'll take a we'll go on a big string string ah, big string of albums for a little bit before we get into beer hunter number three, way down the line. Mm, way so down the line. So savor this. Much but, like much like your moose tracks, your rocky road, wolf mm-hmm. paws, which is underrated as an ice cream flavor. Really, let's let's savor this and appreciate this before the next time we get to do a beer hunter episode. Also, uh, sorry, what were you gonna say? Go ahead. Something to appreciate. Uh, we have crossed the point of no return or the, the sunk cost. Uh, (laughs) this is, or it should be at least if they don't release anything, uh, further into the future, halfway. Yeah, that's true. We've made it halfway. Great point. So a little pat on the back for for you. Congratulations to all of us. For me. Yeah. For me, for Dave, for you who are listening. Congratulations. Sick. Yeah. Um, so let's jump right into it. Um, there's not a lot of history on this one. Again, this is another one of those projects that kind of occurred in between albums. Mm-hmm. Um, but just for reference, it was recorded in February uh, 2009, again at the Rare Book Room Studios with Nicholas Vernhees. They're definitely on a streak at that place <laughs> with him. <laughs> uh, I promise that will change. Yeah, it's a good, good, it's a good streak. streak. I promise. I promise. We're gonna gonna get a combo breaker very soon. Excellent. Um, and it was released later that year in May two thousand nine. Um, mm-hmm. Fun fact about this: I've tried to uh, figure out exactly like the origin behind a lot of these songs, and there are rumors that these songs were written during the recording of Microcastle, which I think is a little bit insane <laughs> and makes me almost a little bit worried about the band's work ethic during this time because they were recording Microcastle, and then, if you remember, uh, yeah. Microcastle leaked ahead of time, so they had to quickly scramble and make Weird Era continued, yep. and then also had these songs on the go. That seems like a lot. And, like, to that fact, like, Weird Era continued had some songs that weren't as polished, and I would mm-hmm. say that yes. um, basically as a as a general like view into this, all the songs here are super polished. Yes. So yes. that's very interesting if they recorded this all at the same time. Right. And so I think it'd be very interesting if they had all these like, you know, all these ideas that they were juggling around all at once. Although, mm-hmm. in my opinion, to transition us over to first impressions, in my opinion, I think I feel like this was developed like definitely after some of the ideas that were on Microcastle, because to me, I feel like 
on this EP, we're like, we're starting to shed some of that like heavy 50s singer-songwriter influence. There's still a little bit of it for sure. Still, still a little we'll, bit. <laughs> we'll get to it. I believe, Dave, you uh, have trademarked it as the milkshake diner sound, which I Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I really appreciate. Ooh, um, yeah. But I think they do start to like spread their wings a little bit, and they, they try some songs that are outside of that kind of vibe. Um, yeah. Um, kind of what I was saying is just like, like polished songs and like on a song to song basis, like all of them are like wildly different from one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like in, in this uh, album, there's, there's slow songs, there's tempo songs, but they all have a different style, different mood. Um, mm-hmm. And they tend to do uh, a lot of pop tropes uh, in, in different ways in some, some ways like better than I've heard them before. Yes. So, for sure. To me, this feels like a very, like, polished pop product. In the same way that uh, the Fluorescent Grey EP was, like, a polished ver- version of Cryptograms, even though Microcastle was already pretty polished and, like, fairly pop-forward, and like we talked about before, the the vocals are c- carrying a lot of the message in ways mm-hmm. that they haven't done before in their music, this yeah. one is even more pop-straightforward. And again, when Bradford's talked about EPs in the past, he said, like, he likes them as, like, quick snapshots of things it's not that he, he doesn't want to take his time he just wants to like get straight to the point on EPs right. and these are to the point man we got, we got short song lengths other than the last one and it is like pop hook pop hook pop hook like they're <laughs> just like that's all it is it's great um yeah. so as a new listener to this what were your very first impressions of it so um this is a really really good album cover yeah like I like it a lot. Un, unreasonably good. Like, wow. I, okay. On, on, like a, on like a graphic design level, like okay. it, 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 I'm, I'm not like an expert on this at all, but I just like the colors are, mm-hmm. are really good, really good contrasting colors, orange and blue, um, that, that pops. And like all of yeah. the fonts that they use, they use a little bit too many different fonts, <laughs> but deer hunter yeah. is one font and it's got like the transition from white to blue gradient yes. yep. going on, uh, on the backdrop of the orange. And then underneath it, there's an image of like, uh, it's got like a flowery border around it and it's got like an image of a marble statue negative yes. because all of their, all of their images are negative. Of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's deer hunter. Um, it's gotta be a little weird. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And like that one is white and blue, light blue. And then like rainwater cassette exchange, all th- three of those words are different fonts. One of them's italicized. Yes. One of them's got the Western font. One of them's mm-hmm. got like, um, like those Some, like depth to it yeah yeah like an old the the fonts together they have that sort of like old cinematic vibe yes for um, sure as like a cinematic poster but the name to me um rainwater cassette exchange mm-hmm. uh almost makes me feel like this was intentional because this would definitely pop on a cassette box yeah the idea of like a cassette exchange, sort of mm-hmm. like where everyone's gathered around and they've got like, uh, they're all listening to music and they just like pass tapes back and forth and someone pulls this like lightning box out of their uh, yeah. out of their pocket and it looks sick and <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's like, holy shit, what is that? Like, yeah, it's Deer Hunter. 
Uh, this yeah. is this seems to me like sort of that idea, and I don't know if this is a real thing or not. If they ever like put this onto cassettes, but I know mm-hmm. that around this time there was like a little bit of a vinyl craze. Mm-hmm. And I would I would think that like the obvious like counterculture move would be to uh, counter the vinyl craze with a cassette craze. <laughs> I would be shocked if this didn't have a cassette release of some kind. <laughs> there's no way. Deer Obviously, Hunter's been doing cassettes like their whole career, basically. So really? There's no way this wouldn't. Oh yeah. Nice. They they love doing as a very side brief side note. It's a beer hunter episode. Get used to it. <laughs> um, they very often do um, limited release cassettes when they mm-hmm. go on tour. They're like, we recorded a side little like small fun album, and it's only available on cassette. There's like you know two three hundred copies, and we're selling them at our tour uh, you know on our live dates on this tour until they sell out, and then it's gone forever. And it'll never be released digitally anywhere ex- until someone leaks it on YouTube. And that's that's sick. <laughs> yeah. Again, sick. one day, one day, maybe we'll do some of those. But there, there's some fun <laughs> ones to check out for sure. If you wanted to be really counterculture, then you would release like this on like a set of five hit cl- hit clips. Yeah, like that would be perfect. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Those Bring little those like back. tiny. Exactly. You shove in the little cartridge, you get the one song. It Bring plays in like clips. eight bit resolution or something. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it sounds great. I love the song. Um, I was going to say for me, absolutely, this title reminds me of like um, my dad used to make uh, like custom cassette Mine too. Uh, tapes. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Same thing. Like that was it was the style at the time, as it they was, say from the Simpsons. It was the thing. Like you had Ex- you had a cassette player. Um, yeah. You had the radio. You had access to a radio, so you hooked yeah. the cassette player up to the radio, and you just waited. You waited yes. on that. You waited, waited on the, the DJ the song to say you like needed. the specific one, and you hit the button. Make sure yeah. you hit it at the just right time, and then you got you got the song or like most of the song onto your cassette. Yeah. It was, it was wild, <laughs> wild times. Yeah. So I feel like, to me personally, this feels like a collection of songs that like were you know the fictitious version is that somebody like made this cassette of like random songs mm-hmm. on the radio being like yeah i love these songs this is awesome this is my like cool cassette tape that i'm gonna like put in my truck and have to listen to and then it's like fell between the seats for like <laughs> you know 10 15 years kind of thing and it's like nice. been beaten over time by like weather and dirt and like rain gets in the car or whatever and then like one day someone like drops their phone and they're like fishing around <laughs> behind the seat and all of a sudden I'm like yo is there a cassette tape down here like oh yeah and they like pop it in and they're like yo these are pretty good songs actually like this is this is a good cassette tape whoever made this to me it feels like kind of like a lost artifact in the same way that like they have a uh like the statue on there yeah it's kind of like a a, you know a shrine to old media a little bit yeah Uh, i think i think that's a pretty good way to summarize this this album so just like uh Maybe just like an homage to a lot of uh, a lot of pop tropes, and also just like expanding on them and extrapolating into the into like the deer hunter future. Totally, absolutely. Also, I think it's. Oh, go ahead. Yes. In this uh, in in this EP, I think uh, this band kind of discovers their super weapon. Ooh, is that a tease for later, or do you do want to share right now? What? You no, think that I think is? we'll. I think we'll get into it. Oh, now I'm excited. You got you have me anticipating what it's going to be. <laughs> um, let's jump right into Rainwater Cassette Exchange then. Let's do it. Trent and Dave, listen to the song. Ah, it's good to be at the beach. <laughs> so beach is a great way to describe it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what, Rainwater Cassette Exchange. Go ahead. The mood I got from it was uh, surf lounge. 
Yeah, totally. I was going to say, it feels uh, like almost hazy in a way, in the same way that like mm-hmm. in a really hot day on like the pavement, you can see like the lines of the heat yeah. in the air kind yeah. of distorting things. The mm-hmm. way this song starts with like the diving tremolo and the, like the, the uh, delayed guitars kind of like creating kind of a wash behind yeah, everything. Yeah. It's like, oh, God, it's so hot here at the <laughs> beach. Oh, my God. Yeah, it has that like waxing guitar sound that you hear in like the stereotypical like we're in Hawaii beach music. Yeah, uh, and we're just we're just hanging out and having a good time, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, obviously there's always a filter. There's always a deer hunter filter on all of their songs. So of there's uh, this one's in two sections. The first section, yeah, it's that that mid tempo surf lounge jam, almost mm-hmm. like it's almost like a bossa nova. I would probably say that it's got a lot of those similarities. So like it's got yeah. that vibe. Um, there's a strange. Uh, there's a couple of strange things going on, but the basic stuff are there, like the rising chords um, mm-hmm. uh, that go that just like rise a little bit from the tonic. And there's a relaxed rhythm in the guitars and the bass that mm-hmm. really give you that uh, sort of like semi bossa nova feel. And the bass yeah. really, f- they're just hitting the right notes and they're hitting the right rhythms to make it really relaxing and really like set that tone. So yeah. Yeah, uh, I like I like the bass. I like the guitars a lot. Um, there's a strange percussion sound that's in. The I back, was going to mention that. Yes, and I don't exactly know like what it is. It sounds like it's like filtered. Uh, it's like castanets, like filtered to oblivion. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, like they're like hammering these uh, these percussion instruments. It's just like maybe like wooden spoons or something but it's like mm-hmm. a, it's like a wooden clicking sound in the in the background and it it clashes a bit it clashes a bit with mm-hmm. the vibe so like yes. when you were saying like yeah it's very hazy very hot like instead of people enjoying the beach everyone's like inside and <laughs> and, and they're not having a good time or as yeah. good a time as they could be yeah. um, the song starts with a chord on the tiny headstock strings. Yes, of course. Classic. Um, yeah. But it's interesting because, like, this is the most, like, pronounced I've I've uh, I've heard them. And I was wondering, uh, I was wondering if you've heard of maybe, like, a guru or, like, a guitar guru who could listen to a chord like that and be like, yeah, that's a Strat. Or, yeah, that's a, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's there this are, guitar. There are absolutely people who are that nerdy about it. They're like, oh, for sure. Like, the tone based on that, that's the Strat in the fourth pickup position, whatever. And, like, those people just need to get a life. Honestly, like, like <laughs> as someone who loves, loves guitar, loves recording, like, I geek, a, I geek out about this stuff, too. If you can listen to it and be like, absolutely, uh, Strat in the second position, for sure, man. Uh, it's probably through like a fender amp like it's like just stop like you're like <laughs> like you're probably right but at the same time like i don't know it's it's, it's a brief side note but i think that's that's like too cork sniffery in a way it's the same way that people get like way too intense about wine or something it's like dog it just would be good it. it would be good to ha- always have that in your pocket yeah like this always fits with this chord no matter what you can just do it. right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure um uh there's a high guitar in the back that's just doing its own thing. Mm-hmm. I, I assume that's Bradford just playing playing like counter melodies or like uh tones in the background with that like high wailing waxing guitar sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um the melody 
uh, of this song is is interesting. It's very drawn out. Yes. Um, and like the way that it's structured is a lot of times there will be one word that Bradford will hang on for like a long time. So it's like at the beginning, this one's two weeks. Yeah. And, and like they'll hang on that note for a long time. And yeah. um, then like the rest of the, the lyrics are still like very drawn out. Like uh, you'll get maybe uh one word a bar or like one right, or two, yeah, exactly. two words a bar on average. Yeah. Um, and the lyrics are kind of grim. They are. I have a theory on those lyrics, by the way. So um, two weeks of misery. Yes. Capture my heart and destroy me. Yeah. Um, so it's fairly grim. And it honestly sounds like uh, the point of view of like a death sequence. Yeah. Kind of. Um, mm-hmm. As if, like, someone's either dying very slowly or, like, um, sort of experiencing that, like, near-death experience sort of thing where, like, you get that you get that secret drug in your brain that just makes everything, like, last a, a million years. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's very dark, very grim over, <laughs> once <Right>. again, <laughs> over a very positive-sounding uh, right. melody. Um, the We're be- on brand for Deer Hunter, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the B section is a little bit more aggressive, uh, four bar mm-hmm. phrase, and it's basically just the band playing straight rhythms. Um, yep. There's uh, cool variations in the bass in this section, and it kind of sets up the resolution to go back into the chorus. So um, they do that, those two forms, two times over, and then the song kind of fades out with a nice little guitar riff. Yeah, a little guitar and outro there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's pretty much straight to the point, like we were talking about. It's It gets in, it does its job, but it gets out um, uh, pretty efficiently. Go ahead. Yeah, and like Bradford has a lot of harmonies this time. Like Bradford's yes. doing a lot of harmonies with his it's uh, vocals. It's a big theme on this EP, yep. Uh, there's there's a lot of that for sure, and um, mm-hmm. they're solid. They give yeah. they give a lot of depth to the A sections. They give a lot of depth to like the, the chords that are there, the... The form that is there, so like, uh, they're playing on that, and it's it's just like a really good. Um, there's a lot of good ways that this song sort of connects these grim lyrics to this like positive sounding music. Mm-hmm. Um, that that offset like percussion instrument that doesn't really fit. Um, the lilting vocals, there's like waxing guitars in the background. Everything's kind of hazy. Like you said, when you get like some of these songs, um, that have that, like, I think of pumped up kicks by Foster and the people, (laughs) um, when you get, when you get that kind of dissonance, um, that actually complements each other instead of clashes like yeah it it really makes the song like pop out so like i, I like this song a bit yeah mm-hmm. i think this is yeah i think this is very interesting i quite like this one a lot as well um yeah starting backwards i would say um yeah i think a big point on this ep that we'll probably talk about a fair bit is i think bradford really steps forward in terms of his confidence as a vocalist um, having been an uh-huh. unconfident, unconfident vocalist myself at times, um, the ability to actually like hold and sustain notes, like takes a little bit of like gumption that you don't necessarily always have right away. So, um, 
Yeah. I might, I might as well get into it. Um, that is, that is the super weapon. Oh, Um, I believe that in this, in this album, uh, this band has either discovered or like finally realized what an asset, uh, Bradford's voice is. Yeah, for sure. Like we were saying before, like unconfident vocalists, and I think this was the point that you were about to get to, uh, unconfident vocalists tend to hide themselves in the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, with this song and with every single other, other song on this album, uh, Bradford is present front and center. Um, mm-hmm. Tone is a lot clearer. It's a lot yeah. less shaky. There's there's not like it's holding consistent tones, holding consistent notes. Like they they've gotten a lot better. But um, they've been they've been better for a bit. I I think like this yeah. is, I think this is the album where they've started to make songs um, where Bradford can just play with the form. Um, yeah. So like they just made a solid bossa nova, and mm-hmm. Bradford was able to sort of like weave in and play in with like that form and that theme. And they were when Bradford gets in the band compliments bradford so yeah exactly um there's there's an exchange of ideas i don't know if i'm gonna regret this but there is a song that (laughs) uh there's a song that grates with me a bit uh and i have issues with that i hear a lot and gets a lot of play on the radio and i'm sure a lot of people like it uh last kiss by pearl jam oh that song sucks I'm with you. Absolutely. Throw that song in the trash. It's terrible. So, like, it's got that same vibe a little bit. It's got that same, like, surf prom uh, vibe to it. And um, the thing that I don't like, and, like, I'm sure the the story is very emotional. The lyrics are very heavy. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But there is absolutely no connective tissue to the music whatsoever. So, so you have, uh, you have them singing the lyrics, just like belting it about this story of like this tragic story and the band's just like not participating. Right. I honestly like the music in that song. Sorry. Now we're doing a a side review of last kiss by Pearl Jam. That's fine. Like Uh, the the music, (laughs) the music of that, uh, song is almost like, um, it's like wallpaper. It's like, oh, yeah. by the way, also remember the '60s? It's like, yeah, I guess, <laughs> but like, <laughs> it doesn't necessarily, like you're saying, doesn't necessarily tie in with what the lyrics are talking about at all. So, like, as as a pop trope or as, as something that like does this, that is the example of ludonarrative dissonance being bad. Um, right. Yeah. That yeah. Is, that is the idea. Like, okay, so this is a very sad, like, emotional song, and this is mm-hmm. very happy, emotional, like, happy, like. Uh, I don't know, like pop ballad. It's like a little, it's like a little like sock hop, like sixties, like yeah, sixties sock thing, hop yeah. sort of thing. And yeah. um, they they don't uh, they don't work well with each other at all. And it doesn't enhance the lyrics, and the lyrics mm-hmm. don't enhance the music. But yeah. in this song, um, we were already going into it feeling a little bit uneasy, feeling a little bit uncomfortable. Yes. Uh, and the lyrics enhance that that emotion enhance that you feeling bet. and the the music then like that unsettling music enhances the lyrics so yes this is this is the idea like this is the idea like uh same with uh pumped up kicks like that idea that 
um, these things can complement each other and make that make each of them stronger. I would agree with that totally. There's there's um, my TED talk. <laughs> nice, I like it. Thank you. Uh, I'm gonna like and subscribe. Um, I would say. Um, I find the lyrics in this song really interesting because two reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, one, in Brad's, Bradford's personal life, uh, I haven't mentioned it until this point in the podcast, but I'll mention it now. Cool. Um, Bradford identifies as asexual, so I do look at these lyrics in one way as like a very literal thing to be like, does he consider, you know, relationships in mm-hmm. general as a bit of a death of the individuality of the person? Kind of thing. And the infatuation with a person invading like a disease where he's like, you know, you're no longer just yourself. You're now two people as one. As Interesting. One group. So I look at it a bit that way as well. And the same way that, you know, falling for someone is a bit of, of a, you know, like slow t- process that takes over you like that whole invading like a disease kind of that's, thing that's pretty um, interesting so i look at that i also my more fun pet theory <laughs> which i i don't think is true at all but i want to believe personally all right um is i feel like in a sense this feels like a little bit of a callback to the ghost skeleton prince <laughs> romance from vox humana <laughs> and i know it's not that but i just want it to be true because because it, it feels very summary and yeah. it mentions uh and now it does me no good here on the other side and stuff. So it's like it's clearly someone who's who's passed away or like has is like past yeah. the point. So I just want this to be the ghost uh, who was haunting the basket maker. More, more shop. of the rom com, more of the ghost exactly. rom com. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just like, oh man, I just I can't figure things out with this with time the, on uh, season two. <laughs> the ghost exactly. makes a friend. Right. And it also mentions uh uh I hold the hand that beckoned me. And mm-hmm. also I think in Vox Humana, it mentions like the skeleton prince who offered me his hand. Yeah. And I said, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, <laughs> like, I don't know what I want to do. <laughs> right. And so to me, it feels like, I'm like, yeah, I know it's not that, but I like to pretend it's, it's a reflection of that song. No, I, like, I, I think you're reflection. onto something here. I think, uh, yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. The, uh, yeah, I, I like the idea of sort of like this, like grim death, of something, it doesn't necessarily have to be like of a life, but a, maybe of a uh, existence, so to speak, mm-hmm. a, an existence, a, a death of your existence as one thing, and maybe like a transition into something else. For sure, yeah, yeah. But they, yeah, they do talk a lot about like disease, death, decay, um, the idea of like it's it's my time is up, my time is over, sort of thing, mm-hmm. and I'm on the other side. Um, so like, yeah, there is, there is, it's like really interesting. There's, it's really vague. Like there's no, Mm -hmm. there's no, uh, general indication of like one or the other. So like, yeah, there's a lot of interpretation that can go into this and for sure. Yeah. Like once again, I, I think this song works really well, mainly because, um, there's, there's so much, um, there's so much more power in the voice in mm-hmm. in this song and a lot of the other songs and we've been talking about it before but maybe we'll talk about it more in our next song let's do that let's listen to disappearing ink Trent and Dave, listen to the song. Ooh, disappearing ink what was i thinking what 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 was i thinking dave i don't know what were you thinking <laughs> um that this song is tight and it's really good um <laughs> And yeah, like this song has a really cool form and okay. like 
I want to, I, I want to do it justice. Like, uh, yeah, it, it starts off with like a driving beat, a driving uh, drum beat um, that really sets the tone. But then like everything comes in at the same time, bass, vocalists uh, and guitarists, yeah. like they all come in at the same time. Can I jump in on the beat just for two seconds? Do it. Hell yeah. Um, so I want to give a shout out to Moses on this song for <laughs> just laying things. it down. For for laying it for basically for until the two minute mark is when he finally changes the drum oh, beat because yeah. he, he's being so consistent. Oh yeah. Because like we've talked about before, it's the motoric kind of beat. Mm-hmm. Except he does one little move that makes it a little bit interesting. Mm. He throws in the little side tom every now. It's like boom boom cap boom boom, boom, cap, boom. <laughs> and, like, and that little tom yep. just gives it like a little bit of extra flair. Nice. And it's also like a fun little like um, it's a syncopated beat because there's a little accent on the there off is, beat there. Yeah, there is a little um, bit of an alternate rhythm to it. Yeah, it works. Yeah. Yes. It re- works really well to like underlie like everything that goes on top of it. The next thing that goes on top of it is the bass, which mm-hmm. is so consistent and so it's working. <laughs> uh, like really good, like high interval jumps. Like it'll play like yes, two notes low, two notes high. Um, yep. And uh, they they'll there'll be octaves, there'll be other jumps, but like the thing about this. Uh, bass specifically is that if they don't need to move, if the notes don't need to move, they don't. Like yeah. sometimes the chords will change and the bass will just stay the exact same. And, yes. I, yeah, and yeah. I like that a lot in mm-hmm. in music and like when they un- when they really understand like the chords and the tones that they're using, like how how powerful they are. They can just yes. they can just let them ride. You can just yeah. let them ride, and like um, you don't need to complicate the form. You don't need to really complicate anything, uh, anything else. If you don't, if you don't need to, if your notes are strong, and uh, then they will do the work for you. And yes, this uh, happens so much in this. Like sometimes <laughs> the bass will just like move the top note down a little bit, or yes, or there'll be one note that moves in in any specific bar. But okay, uh, yeah, we start the form. Um, and there's like a two bar phrase. It goes from one major to three minor. Um, mm-hmm. and then they, they do that. Uh, they do that for a bit. Uh, that's the first part. And then they mm-hmm. move that phrase down, uh, a fourth, they move it down to, I think the G, um, and they do yes. that. They do that same thing, a one major to a three minor. Right. The drive alone, right. drive straight home part. Yeah. Uh, the first form asks a question. And mm-hmm. it, they literally ask a question uh, in the lyrics, uh, yes. and then they answer that question in the second phrase. I got a message. Can you guess what it said? Mm-hmm. Dry, and then they go to the next session. Uh, drive straight home, mm-hmm. uh, or yeah, uh, drive alone. Drive, drive straight home. Drive yeah, alone. Yeah. Drive straight home. Yeah, and then they sort of go back to the main melody, except this time there's a more positive spin on that form. Instead, it's a four to one cadence. Yes. (laughs) Um, And like, instead we're sort of like seeing the epilogue of like that call and response in the form. Yeah. 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 Uh, And then we go back down to the G again, but this time it's like a cycle of force that go down. So like it goes from G to F to C and uh, then we jump out of the key for like a sort of like a breather section where mm-hmm. like there's a little bit of an awe, awe bridge 
So that happens two times. There's so much open space in this form and it's built for the vocals to just like fill, fill all of that space. I like the idea that there's like certain themes that the form can fill out. Um, like that original phrase sort of like asks a question. The second one kind of answers it. I like that disappearing ink gets its own theme though. Those sort of like descending fourths, um, Mm-hmm. Like that part of the lyrics gets its own like very positive theme, and then there's this yeah. huge finish at the end. Like it's all building up to like this very uh, huge finish at the end where they say "What was I thinking?" two times, and then they yeah. exit the song. Um, yeah, um, I like I like the idea that um, this song is almost entirely carried by uh, its structure, not necessarily mm-hmm. like the the. The band, like the bass, the drums, the guitar, they all build a very good foundation. And Mm -hmm. they don't really change. Like I was saying about the bass, they stay as static as they can if they need to. Yes. Uh, Yes, And so when the chords move, the the movement of the chords is the thing that is telling the story. So the movement, the change of the Mm -hmm. form is what's telling the story instead of any specific instrument. Uh, And it complements the lyrics so well. (laughs) <laughs> and I really like this song. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, nice. What do you think about this? Uh, I was gonna say uh, I appreciate that because, um, I, like I always do, I always sit down with these songs with a guitar and like try and like at least map out the chords and figure out the general structure. And when I was doing this song, I was like, "How many fucking chords are in this song?" <laughs> <A> <laughs> because bit. I was like, "Man, every you know, every like you know." Uh, four bars kind of thing. You're like doing a new progression mm-hmm. and stuff, whatever. Um, but that's also what I really like about it is like nothing has, uh, you know, ever really overstates its welcome kind of thing. You're always on to something a little bit new, but they all flow into each other really well. It's almost like they're and dynamic. They're dynamic to use. Yeah. Whoever has that on your uh, Say Avail Times bingo sheet, uh, please mark down dynamic. Um, I was going to say uh, as well, what this reminds me of a lot uh, and I'm, I kind of teased it on the last episode mm-hmm. is, uh, it reminds me a lot of the strokes oh, yeah. because the strokes do those like eighth note, just like full bar chords yeah. and they become kind of just like a wash behind everything else. And they let the vocalist really like play around with the timing of things. Yeah. And I find, especially on this song, um, I think Bradford like really like savors his delivery in the same way that oh, Julian yeah. Casablanca's from uh, the Strokes does. Like the uh, "Can you guess what it said?" Like yeah. the really like it's like slow, uh, very delivery. slow, very drawn out, and like yeah. like that. Yeah, there's a lot of open space in the form. Um, it's it's just a static driving beat. So like the idea it, here is that like they've built this playground. <laughs> where Bradford mm-hmm. can literally just do whatever he wants. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, like, he's complimenting a lot of the chords, a lot of the things that are going on, but, like, he's jumping, he's he's using a lot of very long intervals, like, he's jumping way up and then co- yeah. coming way back down. Um, so, like, this idea that, like, yeah, there's a lot of space and the, and he's just like doing as much work as possible to fill it up with like very efficient lyrics. Like I was saying, like one or two words, a bar uh, yeah, at, yeah, at yeah. some, at some, at some points, like, uh, this one is a little bit more dense, but like, it's still, it's still very spaced out. 
Right, and you can see that, especially on a lot of lyrics on this EP, how short the, the lyrics are in general mm-hmm. for the entire song. I mean, they're shorter songs, you know. There's only two of them that are over three minutes, but still, um, like, the, the lyrics themselves are, are pretty quick. Um, and I would say, about the lyrics what of this you, song... Uh, I was going to say... I do like the metaphor a lot of disappearing ink on this. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I personally get from it, I mean, I think a lot of the songs on this EP are kind of open to interpretation. Mm -hmm. Um, But to me, I kind of get the vibe when he says disappearing ink, but the words still sting. Right. That is, I think it's more, yeah, that is, that is like the, the key part of the song. Like both of, both of the forms kind of build up to that and it gets, it gets a little special theme. So like it is, right. it is the most important lyrics of the song, um, but yeah, mm-hmm. they're they're also really vague and up to interpretation. Go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say I think to me that is the way in which you know when you're having like an emotional conversation with someone and you say something and those words resonate in their head and it becomes kind of like mm-hmm. a permanent imprint for them. But mm-hmm. maybe, you know, the person who said it kind of forgets about it because they were just kind of in the heat of the moment. And especially, you know, as when we speak, you know, we vibrate the air and then after we're done, the air stops vibrating. Those th- those words do just dissipate on their own. Yeah. But, you know, we remember them. We, you know, turn them into memories kind of thing, whatever. Nice. So I think nice. that's, that's that's what he's describing, essentially, is, you know, some kind of, you know, intense conversation. And I think especially... Both of the verses... Yeah, both of the verses do start with uh, him either saying that, like, he's received a message or he's writing a letter. So it's all all about communication. And right. I, I would I would say it's probably about, like, written communication or, like, maybe that's part of the metaphor. Right. And uh, what I think, especially uh, in the, the first verse, I, I relate to super hard and maybe I just, like, put too much of my own experience into it. But uh, That's when, what you're supposed to do. That's what I'm supposed to do. Um... <laughs> And what I think when he says the, I got a message, can you guess what it said? Drive alone, drive straight home. Yeah. I think that first verse especially feels like a bit of some kind of a rejection mm. where, where like, I don't think necessarily someone's saying like, hey, get out of my face, like leave me alone. But like that emotional wound that you get from some kind of a rejection, you're yeah. like, oh, oh, I understand exactly what you're saying. What you're saying is I'm just going <laughs> to get out of here by myself and be alone <laughs> forever. And then the same way that he's like, I sat and wrote a letter. I described the weather and the mm. scene like someone just like gazing out their window just like reflecting but at the same time when they are reflecting i think also what he talks about where i sat and wrote a letter i described the weather and the scene remembering i forget tomorrow all the sickness and sorrow disappearing ink i think that too mm-hmm. is he's like even in this time of like emotional turmoil when i'm alone in my room processing these things even that itself is a is its own disappearing ink like that too will pass kind of thing. yeah that's yeah. that's kind of the vibe I get from it is all all these things kind of disappear with time and then the what was I thinking is kind of like the the final reflection upon all it's, of that whole process. It's it's such a like big payoff mm-hmm. as well because like the entire band goes to straight quarter notes and yes. everything everything kind of just like it 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 not don't it doesn't necessarily build in the music but you can kind of feel um, based on these like really long forms, like these, though that form like that I was talking about, it's really long and it just happens twice, but it's able to mm-hmm. fill up two minutes. So yeah, like there's a lot of 
uh, sort of like unseen tension that's being built up. And then it pays off at the end with like, yeah. the, what was I thinking? Why did I dwell on this? Why is this, right. why is this a big thing sort yeah. of thing? So it's like this really big payoff at the end of the song. And yeah, it's, it's, I really like this song a lot. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I'm glad you do. Yeah. I think <laughs> in terms of songs that like respect your time, I feel like this one is high on the list. Oh yeah. <laughs> of like, it gets in, it does its job. It gives you lots of content in that time. And it's like, all right, and we're done. And you're like, wow, that was, that was a great story. It's like a well-executed joke. You're like, that was perfect. That was, that was great. <laughs> Maybe you could say uh, they were famous last words. Oh, thank you for that. Let's listen to famous <laughs> last words. All right. Trent and Dave. Speaking of things resonating in your brain over time, <laughs> uh, famous last words. Famous last what do we think words. Of that? Uh, another song that I I I really like, and I, I really like how this one's structured. Like once again, yeah. like the the a lot of these songs now are playing to my specific interests, which are <laughs> uh, good solid forms. Good solid. Right. Good solid forms <laughs> make good solid songs. Um, right. <laughs> this one has two sections, mm-hmm. um, like a, a verse and a chorus, basic deer hunter stuff. But like, mm-hmm. um, they they use these a lot better. Um, mm-hmm. They 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 sort of like, I think they're just getting like what you can do with the space you have within these chords. Like, it's not really all that complicated. Uh, the form here, it's an A section. It's a, just like a variant of a four chord. It resolves onto the one, but it's like a yep. bottle for the verse. Um, yeah, so yeah, there's yeah. there's a lot of interesting stuff that is going on in here um, that they're sort of like just allowed to play with. So there's mm-hmm. like a main melody uh, with Bradford, but there's also like a counter melody going on with the bass and the guitar. Um, yes, and they're they're playing like a counter melody on on the low, so they're playing like um, a low counter melody that's ascending, and Bradford is singing a regular melody that's kind of like holding static. Um, mm-hmm. There's a really interesting call and response that's going yes. that's going on uh, in these verses. So like Bradford will play sing uh, Bradford will sing the melody, and then the melody will play back with uh, a guitar and a synth. And, yes. And the synth is, uh, I don't think it's a theremin, but it sounds like a theremin. It sounds a lot like it. It's a great tone. Uh, uh, I was going to say, sorry, as well, while we're talking about that part, um, what I do like about the response bit of the column response, mm-hmm. when that synth comes in and the guitar lead comes in, the guitars also do a fun thing where they change uh, the normal progression during when uh, Bradford is singing is, a E D A. Yeah. And then it goes A E D F sharp minor, Ooh. which I get to flex. I get to flex my music muscles nice. here for a second. That is called the relative minor yes, of the A chord. Yes, uh, it is. And I think it adds a little bit more weight when the uh, instrumental bit is playing. Um, so I think it adds even more depth to the column response. Please mm-hmm. continue. <laughs> <laughs> that has been my TED talk. You're showing me up. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah no. Um, the reason that I don't think it's an actual theremin is just because a theremin is really difficult to play. 
Uh, yeah. So like maybe maybe I'm I'm the idiot and one of them actually <laughs> knows how to play a theremin amazingly. In yeah. which case, good job. But <laughs> right, I uh, think it's I think it's a keyboard with just a ton of uh, like pitch vibrato. Oh yeah, there's probably like yeah. a, a setting for theremin and they've got that yeah. that down pat. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they do that a couple times, and then the B section is another four chord section but there this one starts on uh uh a tension chord and there's a perfect cadence inside the phrase it resolves back Mm -hmm. to the tension chord yep um this sets up a really good stepladder chorus which i like Mm -hmm. i really like these these stepladder melodies that that go on um where it's just like it's it's just the name of the song it's famous last words but it's famous last words and oh, then okay. it's yeah. famous last words and then he screams think, yeah. it the third time famous yeah. Yeah. and like i i really like that setup and mm-hmm. like it's it's something that you can do with like these sort of like tension chords these tension situations where you have like that ability to explore it and you can do that within like i called it like a bottle like the last right. one was like a bottle for the verse this one's a bottle for the chorus and it just yeah you're just allowed to once again they they build these pro- playgrounds that bradford mm-hmm. is allowed to just do whatever he wants and so you have the ability to just knock it down right <laughs> and and i think the melody does that really well I think I, yeah. I like I like uh, this chorus, and then they go back in the verse, back into the chorus, and the song ends. But it's yes, it's really it's really fun. Um, two things on that: one, I love your description of that of a stepladder chorus. <laughs> I'm going to steal and use that. That's a great way of describing how the vocal melody ascends during the chorus. Yeah, yeah. I was also going to say of the transition out of the chorus to the bridge. I love the rude guitar that decides <laughs> to just like hold one yeah, note and yeah, it goes yeah, yeah. and just like dives into the, the verse there at a, coming out of the first chorus. Mm-hmm. That's such a great like that's one of those ones where you can tell like the guitar part is recorded all in one chunk and it's all it's all done live kind of thing because yeah it's just like a little holdover like you don't get that when you just go in and like record sections at a time uh, and that gives it so much life and so much like momentum into the next section there's, so there's, it's a very it's a very small thing but I do like it a lot. There's definitely a lot of fun being had with this song, and yes. I will I will use that as a tradition uh, transition into the lyrics. Um, yes, because I want to talk about those. Ollie off the sidewalk, watch your brother bleeding. It's yeah. it's it's a, it's a very like dark humorous sort of vibe that I get from this. Well, I think it's absolutely dark humor because <laughs> if you recall back to our very first episode. Oh, boy. Uh, do I? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if you do. It was a while ago, but I will remind you and our listeners. Um, when they were recording Turn It Up, before mm. they got a chance to turn it up, <laughs> their uh, very first bassist, Justin Bosworth, mm. died in a freak skateboarding accident. Uh. And so when I look at these lyrics, I think honestly think this is like kind of a tribute to their fallen comrade being like like the very the very first two lines are ollie off the sidewalk watch your brother your brother bleeding and then take him by the hand lead him to the slipstream like he's leaving you it's over like famous last words kind of thing i think it's honestly a tribute to uh to their very first bassist dang Um, that's cool and 
Yeah, and for that reason, I think it's kind of sweet. And I think it's also a song that you could potentially skateboard to, which I think is important <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not it's not too quick. It's it's a little mid tempo and it's yeah. uh uh but yeah, it's it's just like very grimy uh and a little and a little bit fun. Like the that mm-hmm. synth that goes on through the chorus. The synth is great. Through yeah. the through the next uh verse chorus situation, the synth is just ever present and it's just going yeah. in up and down. Vocals are having a lot of fun. Like every uh everyone seems to be just like jamming really well with this song. So mm-hmm. like it's it's a lot more like oh the overall mood is a lot more positive and and like jovial and having a good time sort of thing. For sure. Yeah, and I I tried to check the uh, album credits just to see because uh, we praised uh, Nicholas Vernhees a lot on uh, Microcastle for some of the the sneaky little synth bits where we're yeah. like this adds a lot to the song. Mm-hmm. To my knowledge, there's the synth on this is not performed by him at least okay. not officially, but there's there's definitely like the <laughs> the kind of like uh overall influence i think going on here if he didn't yeah. officially record it i think you know i can give him a ghost credit because i feel like <laughs> they've taken some of the lessons they've learned on microcastle for sure and they're like oh you yeah. know what we should do is like a really subtle synth part that adds a lot to it um as well as i also like how scratchy the vocals are you mentioned the the like kind of like distorted kind of quality to them. Yeah. To me, they feel like they're almost coming through again, uh, like on that car radio, on uh, that cassette yeah. that you put in yeah. kind of thing. To me, this, this feels like one of those songs that like on the tape got a little bit distorted, but you're like, yeah, oh, it's still good. They're like, I still enjoy it. Yeah. There is definitely uh, a filter going on here, but yeah, it's, it's subtle and it's, it's got, a, it's got a pretty good taste to it. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, speaking of things that have been shaped by their environment, transition, I like it. uh, would you like to go listen to Game of Diamonds? No. I mean, yes. Okay. (laughs) Trent and Dave, listen to the song. Okay, now it's ended. (laughs) You gotta, you gotta let those, uh, the piano strings just ring out for a little bit. (laughs) Let them dissipate. And then, and then just cut them off. Uh, Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, so talking about the piano, nice, mm-hmm. nice piano riff at the beginning, sets yeah. up a pretty good vamp, and like, uh, this is this is the basis, this is the foundation of the song. Um, yeah, there's it's just like the tonic, and it moves up to the to the second at yep. the very end of the phrase, and then it moves back. So it's like a quick uh, chord transition, but most mostly most it's, of it's on the G there. Yeah. Most of it's on the tonic, so it's just yeah. sitting there. And the piano starts, and it's joined by a bongo, and then the bongos are prominent in the mix. Sorry, I wanted to point out. I, how, I think it's good much, because, like, yeah. they they are the foundational percussion, so they are very they're very much like leading the uh, the mood and the theme of this. Like, once again, there's waxing guitars, there's synth, mm-hmm. uh, there's like little tiny drums on the hi hat, so you still get that kind of beach yes. vibe. Still get that yep. kind of like. Uh, we're, mm-hmm. we're chilling, relaxing. It's a slow tempo. So yeah, the bongos, yeah. they are present for sure. No, this is like the end of the luau. And now there's just like <laughs> a little bit of fire left, like mostly kind of coals on the beach and everyone's just kind of like sitting, like finishing the last of their drink kind of thing. You're just kind of looking out at the water and like most of the conversations died down, but everyone's like still enjoying each other's company. Yeah. That's, that's the vibe I'm getting right now. From you this, get, you get section. some of those like. Um, those really like hard, uh, bends like waxing, like those guitar bends that you hear in like that, that stereotypical Hawaiian beach sound. Yeah. 
I think that's a slide guitar actually. I think go do do like those. <laughs> yeah, those. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they're really good. They they add a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, they add the anticipation of each chord as they come in. Talk about uh, anticipation. And also, I wanted to say I I, oh. I wasn't trying to uh, cast slight on the bongos. I actually really like that. I like how different this song is yeah. on the EP. I think the fact that the piano is such a foundational instrument makes a a big break. The fact that there's not a full drum kit at all on this song, Mm -hmm. I think, makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know, as we kind of shouted out some songs on uh, Microcastle, the arrangement is a lot sparser here as well. Oh, yeah. And I think it adds a lot of contrast. I really do like how open this song is and how much it just gets a chance to breathe. That's a that's um, a big theme in a lot of these songs on this album. There's a lot mm-hmm, of open space. A few yeah. bars where no lyrics are happening. Yeah. Now I've forgotten how to speak. Big space. Mm-hmm. A problem yep. with my chemistry. Big space. Now yep. I now I can't sleep and I won't. And then instead of like doing the chord at the end, uses that last uh, word as a transition into the B section. Yes. So yeah, yeah. Once again, really good form, really good rhythmic phrasing, and like really good like awareness of the song and being able mm-hmm. to like really easily transition from one form to another. So yes, good. Good structural music making, <laughs> good things. Dave like. Anyways, <laughs> Dave is a big fan. Good structure, good song. Uh, I would say as well, um, two things. I'm gonna I'm gonna go on the the lyrical the vocal performance first, and then I'll talk about the lyrics. Oh yeah. I would say uh, in terms of vocal performance, this is probably my favorite vocal performance of the entire uh, EP. Um, I think I, I think Bradford's just killing it in all of them, but like that yeah. that's more of my thesis for the entire album. Is that, I would agree completely. Is that they figured out what to do with Bradford's voice. Yes, I would. I would agree one hundred percent. To me personally, whatever interval they're hitting during the "so strong I know" bit, mm-hmm. um, really, I'm like that is beautiful. I like. I don't know what it is, but for me, the the inflection that he's putting on his voice, it sounds very like emotionally vulnerable. I guess maybe uh, the all the space helps. Because you can really like pick out the details of his voice. There's good harmonies, uh, but he has the two tracks, the harmonies. That's what I mean. Like he's he's doing really great vocal harmonies, which hasn't been a very prominent part of their sound yet. Yeah, and he has like the one the one lower one, and then the one that's higher feels like a little bit back in the mix. So there's like a little bit of depth going on as well. Uh huh. Um, I love it. I really love this chorus of this song. I think it's great. Uh, and I think the lyrics are really cool as well. Like, I think, <laughs> I think this song almost to me, and I'll explain why in a second. I think it almost feels to me like if you're at like watching a musical or okay. like a play that has like some songs in it, yep. um, then like sometimes when characters like finally meet their end, they get like a <laughs> final like exit from yeah, the, from yeah, the play yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And to me, this feels like the final exit of a character and the characters like recounting all the experiences that experiences that have happened to them yeah. during the play. And they're like, see, see all these things and like, see the woe of my, of yeah. my, my existence. And now I'm gone. No. But in the same way, all these things, you know, influence and turn me into who I am in the I've, same way I've, that, you know, a I've diamond. counted every grain of sand I've walked every exactly. inch of land. I know. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I lay drunk on the Bowery. Time <laughs> never meant much to me. Like, I feel like it's like in a, and this is going to be a bit of a teaser. Uh, it's such a, I, I will revisit this again. Someone write this down. But <laughs> this is such a glamorous pity party that is being thrown. 
<laughs> and I love it. Um, <laughs> but also at the same time, in the same way that a diamond is created through, ah, through pressure, uh, for, through pressure, through environmental pressure, in the same way they're recounting all these hardships that they've had to endure. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, in the choruses, they're summarizing saying, and, oh, but through all that, I found a way so to endure. Strong. And it makes me so strong. <laughs> I know. And it's like, it's like, it's a little bit of like snobbery, kind of. In like, they're like, like kind of wearing all their, their, you know, challenges with like, as like a badge of honor kind yeah. of thing. I do like um, that. I, but I in like this like really of... snooty kind of way. Mm-hmm. And I like I get such like clear visions of this like character on stage yeah. unveiling this whole thing. And I think that's such that's so cool. I really like it. I like that idea of a character monologue where they're just like, hey, <laughs> I've done all this. Right. I've done all this uh stuff and I've I've walked all these miles and I've had all this hardship. And right. because of that I'm so strong. Um Yes, exactly. The um I was going to talk about, like, the idea uh, with, like, how they transition into that um, that chorus, because it's, mm-hmm. it's two parts, right? Um, you start with the um, more, like, complex lyrics, as soft as a stranger's hand. I've counted yes. every grain of sand. I've walked every inch of land. Um, and, like, from the beginning, it was... Um, the tonic moving up to the two minor, and in this section, it's the the two that moves up to the three. So it's a very like subtle transition, and it's just a very subtle push into that uh, little tension section, where where they're they're sort of like building this idea and then sort of like setting this mantra. Like you've talked about like uh, lyrical mantras that uh mm-hmm. that they say a lot so like they're building up to this one that they can say for a bit and then they move back into the a section so yeah um there's also a lot like i was saying like sort of this call and response with uh with with space there's a lot that bradford does to play with like vocal rhythms and phrasings in here so like yeah, uh, it's it's once again like kind of a slow song, kind of sort of like a break from like um, from like the the first two songs in the album. So mm-hmm. like um, it's a little bit of a transition, but you were saying like that sort of character transition, that character built. Like okay, this this part is leaving the song. We're using it as like a sort of farewell to this idea, and we're moving on to the next one. Right. Um, and in, like you're saying, I think to me, this is like an evolution of the palate cleanser song mm-hmm. we've talked about a few times where they do have palate ke- cleanser songs that they like to throw in somewhere in like the last third of the album kind of thing before the like, you know, big final song. And I think this is a palate cleanser, like with a bit more of a, uh, like staying power. I think it's got a little bit more going for it. Nice. Nice. Um, and so to me, that's a little bit of growth as well. I do Ooh. really like that. Um, speaking of build-ups to a final song, yes. Um, would you like to go listen to Circulation? Let's do it. Let's do it. Trent and Dave listen to the song. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed your "I Am the Walrus" outro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a couple uh, things in there that I'm not sure I, I recognize, but I think I might. Uh, yeah. I didn't write anything down, but man, is there a lot there. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> here, 
Yeah, I was just going to say briefly, it reminds me a lot of uh, I Am the Walrus by the Beatles, where at the very end, they were just kind of like flipping between stations that they could tune into <laughs> on, a, on an, an old school antenna radio. Yeah. And to me, the very end of that feels a lot like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, go ahead, Dave. Yeah. Uh, cool fade in in this song. So like the guitar, mm-hmm. the guitar starts in, but it's like it's almost like it's already playing. Um, it starts with like a. It starts very low on the gate and and it fades up the entire band. So like one by one, the band comes in while they're still yeah. fading up the master. So yes, uh, it's a really it's a pretty neat trick. And there's like a neat guitar riff that brings everything in, and then all the instruments come and play the the sort of like uh, the lead in from the form, and they lead into the main part of the song. Uh, yes. it's a it's a pretty interesting intro. Uh, I kind of like it. It's 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 fairly simple, but like it's it's a cool idea. It's effective, yeah, yeah. And like a fade in intro mm-hmm. is not very common, mm-hmm. and I do like that as a technique. Uh, yeah. Uh, the fair uh, the form once again pretty simple. Uh, two minor, mm-hmm. two one major. They do that three times, and then there's like a five, uh, a five four lead in back to the beginning. So like. Mm-hmm. Pretty simple form, uh, pretty simple phrase, quick tempo, and um, there's like a little bit of an off rhythm drum drum uh, beat. Yeah, I wanted to shout that out for a second. Yeah. Um, second time this episode, I'm giving Moses a little bit of credit here. Hell yeah. um, that's a great drum. That's a great drum beat. First of all, mm-hmm. second of all, I love the fact that the snare hits on the one mm. very often for, for most, you know, drum patterns in Western pop rock kind of music. Um, the, Bass drum is always on beat one. Yeah. In this song, and you know, I think a lot of songs that add, you know, rhythmic interest, the snare is on beat one. That's interesting. So immediately your ear is thrown off a little bit. You're like, what? What is happening? And then it, it's got that syncopated kind of rhythm. Yeah. And to me, um, most times in again, a lot of traditional Western pop rock kind of music, mm-hmm. bass and drums kind of form a little unit. Oh yeah. To me, the lead guitar and the drums on this song form a little bit of a unit. And to me, they're kind of on their own individual rhythm, and everybody else is just kind of providing something static to fill in space around them. Yeah. Um, so I really like that part of the arrangement. Sorry, please keep. No, going. no, that's great. Um, th- that lays a really good. Uh, once again, laying a really good foundation for Bradford to do whatever he wants. And yes. in this one, once again, like there's two tracks, but this one is is pretty cool just because like. He's he's finding a lot of ways to make very interesting counter, counter melodies with himself. This mm-hmm. one, yeah, like he's doing both a high melody and a low melody. But the high yeah. high melody is descending down, and the low melody is ascending up. So like yeah. they they complement each other really well, and it's yeah, it, it's just like a, a very interesting um, sort of way to set that up, and then they merge, and the two uh, the two uh, tracks like say the same tones over like the second part of the phrase to like bring it back. Mm-hmm. And there's also like a couple of like very interesting, like I can't really like describe it all that much, but there's like a lot of different sort of like tonal variations that he has with, with each of the different, like they repeat that phrase four times, that main form. They repeat it four mm-hmm. times, but each one kind of sounds different with the with the vocals. Like there's a little yeah. bit of like a different spin on each of the lyrics, um, and there's like a little bit of uh, different like accents going in, or like just a different yeah. tone. Like there's a different intensity each time. So like um, bad circulation 
become impatient sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it has like a softer vibe, but then like the second verse is shame on your doctors. And that's a lot yes. more aggressive. Um, yeah. And so like, there's like, there's really interesting tonal variations going on here. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I like the way this is set up. It's, it's really simple and it's really effective. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. In terms of form, like we talked about before, this one probably is one of the simpler ones mm-hmm. on this album, but it's pretty effective. And what I do like is the big change up, uh, like, you know, a third of the way in the song, oh, yeah. like the last like two thirds, basically they, the most of the song starts on F minor as the progression. Yeah, the key change. It's like F minor, E flat. Exactly. And then they go B flat, uh, A flat. And then for that section, they change to the F major Mm -hmm. which i think is is really cool and then they move up to the g minor and then they keep again the b flat a flat but then they kind of build another one of those to to coin a day phrase a kind of a perpetual motion machine with the chords at the very end there they're doing the f sharp g minor or sorry not that the f g minor f g minor b flat a flat b flat a flat and to me those like two pairs of chords i think really contrast each other well i don't know enough music theory to tell you why i think they contrast really well but each one feels like a little bit of like if you're talking about that step ladder again yeah. um they feel like a step ladder every time i don't know why exactly but i do really like that part it feels like it has a lot of energy and a lot of momentum each time you finally move to the next you know pair of chords i think that bit is really great yeah there's probably a name for everything in music but i don't i don't have it for the life of me um <laughs> The guitar is doing a really interesting arpeggio in that, uh, like arpeggiated riff in that last section. Um, mm-hmm. and they're, they're sort of like accenting those chords, but like when the chords move, the guitar just moves up with them. So mm-hmm. like, yeah, it, it has that sort of same like motion to it, but the guitar isn't really changing its rhythm or the type or like the, the notes. It's just like moving, getting pushed with the chords. So like you have that idea of like we're just we're just moving through the rest of the song and yeah the rest of the song turns into like this breakdown um yeah. where like the guitar is doing that they change keys there's these like celestial pad synthesizers coming yeah. coming down from the top and they have like yep. this descending melody that's going down the chords as the as the chord mm-hmm. changes um it's it's really nice and a, like really light, really high frequency sort of thing. So like, yeah, pretty good. Um, right. The chord, the chord pairs, like you were saying, are they're they're tense in a positive way. So like they, yes. they have that they have that like moving tension. And then there's no more lyrics. Instead, yeah. we're uh, like you said, like flipping through channels. Like I heard some like Sunday morning cartoons, like fantasy, yeah. <laughs> fantasy children shows and some, some, yeah, s- yeah. some stuff like prescription ads and yeah. like uh, a whole bunch of other things. But yeah, like there's a bunch of samples that go in and that, that lasts for uh, like a mm-hmm. good, a good minute or so while like these celestial pads are just like playing a melody over top of it. Yeah. It's nice. No, I, 
I think it's a great outro uh, for this song. Mm-hmm. I think it, it, like the the fade itself is like really gentle, and like the the uh, last little bit there with just some of the like radio or television or whatever the the sample bits that you're talking yeah. about at the very end as like kind of a closer. I think it's really great. Um, would it shock you at all to learn that Moses has an, a, a separate songwriting credit on this song? Nice. Nice. <laughs> Considering how I, I wasn't getting into the specifics of like who has songwriting credits on all these songs because it didn't really come up. Mm-hmm. But now that we're talking about how much we like the like, you know, the synth pads at the end and then also <laughs> like the fade in uh, and all the like the sample bits. So a lot of these songs are like Bradford and then depending on who contributed what, they get their own like separate credits yeah. on this on each song for this one it's bradford and moses and you're like of course once you know that when you hear the ending bit you're like that's that's so moses nice. much like that's so raven that's so moses <laughs> yeah that's so uh, moses. but i really like it i think it's great yeah. um i think i think it's it's such a um a really cohesive way to end the album it's like i feel like i'm being like very slowly ushered out the door it's not like the album just like suddenly cuts yeah. or anything you're like oh no, that's I, yeah i get that oh, okay yeah, it's like they're very gently being like, okay, EP's over now. Um, if you guys want to get up out of your seats, just make your way to the exits. If you want to, you know, throw out your popcorn or anything, that'd be great. Like, it's, it feels like, it's like, uh, like, you know, the end is coming. You're like, okay, okay. I'm like, it gives you like closure in a way. I do really like that. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. The one thing I'll say about the song before we uh, move off of it is... I've talked a lot on this EP about uh, the lyrics and I have a lot of things where I'm like, I think the lyrics are this, or I have like my own pet theories about what I think the lyrics are. This song, I don't have anything concrete other than, and you know, you can, you can choose to confirm or deny on this or no comment on this, but um, he talks about circulation and he talks about Mm -hmm. bad circulation in particular. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've talked a lot about before, like Bradford has written songs about his own personal health struggles. He's had an adversarial relationship with uh, doctors before in songs. Right, (laughs) absolutely. So um, knowing what, you know, I think I know about being a tall person, which I don't, I'm (laughs) almost on the exact average height for a male. But, um, you know, what I think I know about tall people, being friends with uh, a person who's quite tall, um, I know, I think I know that tall people generally have more problems with circulation because their blood has to flow way further. You got you got a big body. It's got to get around it. Oh, we just have bigger hearts. Um, That's all. <laughs> um, it can it can so, be like uh, I I don't know like it's not been a problem for me. So like uh, right, I didn't want to put you on the spot or anything, but like I know that can be an issue with people who are taller. It can be, and like uh, necessarily like the people who have like those degenerate diseases that make them grow exponentially taller throughout their yeah. lives. Right. So like yeah, yeah. I, I would I would doubt that it's necessarily an issue with being tall. Um mm-hmm. oh I think it's more related to Marfan syndrome yeah. than than just like being a tall person necessarily. Mm-hmm. But I did want to throw that in there, you know, just <laughs> just for the fact that the fact that you know I don't have a tall person's perspective, but you do a little bit. So <laughs> I am putting you slightly on the spot. Yeah. Um but no, I think I think you're right. I think it's more to do uh with with his general condition. Yeah. Um and especially when he talks a lot about, um, you know, doctors. Shame on your doctors. And things like that. Oh, how they right. fooled us. Oh, how they right. lured us into their traps. So, right. yeah, very yeah. adversarial relationship with, like, that kind of thing. Yeah. 
For sure. Yeah. And I think especially too, like when we talked about dark humor a little bit on famous last words, mm-hmm. like the idea of become impatient for too long. We've waited for an end for me. He's like, <laughs> you know, in a little bit of a way, it's just like, look, am I, am I going to live or am I not going to live? Yeah. Like, honestly, like yeah. this whole like do up and that. down kind of thing is, is becoming kind of tiring oh, and almost like, yeah, that's, but almost like kind of boring where he's like, all right, like he's sorry, sitting in the, like? like he's sitting in a hospital red, red bed, watching the TV, changing channels. Ah, that is a great interpretation. I didn't think of that's that. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. That's really good. Uh, I like that a it lot. It could be just like, sort of like, yeah, like he's done with the highlights, mirror wives and low lives, I, and reach for yeah. my life when it gets dark. So like this this idea that he's cool. just like uh, bored with the circumstance and just like ready to leave. Right. Damn, dude. I love that interpretation. That That's a great, that is a great closer on this song. Cool, cool. I love that a lot. That's excellent. Yeah. Um, cool. That's awesome. So, um, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. This this album, like this song in particular, interesting, like another good playground for Bradford to flex. And that's most of, that's all of the album, basically. Yeah, They're, totally. This, this album is, uh, uh, I don't know, like, this could probably be just like the Stockholm syndrome talking or more. Maybe, maybe it is, <laughs> maybe it is really good. I know you've been starving yourself on deer hunter too. So you have to tell me, is this a good, I have. is this a good album? So let me explain. Um, when in, in the year 2020, um, around the time of the 10th anniversary of our next episode, Halcyon Digest, stay Ooh. tuned. Um, I was like, yeah, first of all, I really like Halcyon Digest. But also, I was like, I'm going to go back and listen to all of Deer Hunter's discography. Like, I have one album that I absolutely adore and a handful of other songs I know that I like. But I haven't, like, listened to enough of their albums front to back. And then when I did that, I was like, oh, shit, I'm I'm in deep now. I love a (laughs) lot of this. Um, But one of the things that really stood out to me was this EP. Yeah. I was like, holy shit, Rainwater Cassette Exchange has all these, like, little pop gems. And I never hear about them. Mm -hmm. Like, when when people talk about Deer Hunter, and the part of the reason I wanted to, you know, do episodes on EPs is I wanted to give this EP some credit on how good some of the songs are on it. Yeah. That I, I feel like don't get the credit they deserve because they're on an EP. If they fit some of these songs on an album people will be like oh damn yeah i love famous last words famous last words, this is a great song or like game of diamonds oh yeah that's one of my favorite deer hunter ballads or whatever but because it's on this ep right i feel like they do not get the recognition they deserve so i'm um, wondering so yeah trent mm-hmm. if you wanted if we could maybe give these eps the recognition they deserve and maybe put yeah. them on our best albums list oh so we're ranking them including with the albums yeah you mean? Okay. Okay. Because it's tough because they serve different purposes, but I like it. Um, because um, yeah, for like for this, and also with fluorescent gray, um, they have knocked out of the park like certain ideas of like their band dynamic. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we we're teasing it uh, in the last time in the last episode about like how this one is sort of like how these EPs are sort of like crystallizations of eras. Yes. Um, and like fluorescent gray was a crystallization of like the, the before era. And this is sort of like a crystallization of the weird era. Yes, um, totally. 
they've really discovered their assets. Yes. I think. Um, I, I think that with this one partic- particularly, they've really discovered like the asset of Bradford's voice. And we've talked about it before in like mm-hmm. live sets and live situations where he's just screaming into the microphone. Like, yes. Full yeah, yeah. bore. Basically, like, he's got his entire mouth open. He's got his entire face flexing into what he's saying. And depending on what song it is, like, he might sound really quiet, but you can tell that he's just blaring. Yeah. Yeah, right. The force behind his voice, you can kind of hear it in how much he's, like, projecting. Yeah, yeah. And, like, through each album, that's improved. Like, he's gotten steadier tones. I've I said this in the beginning. Like, he's... Uh, it's more controlled. The tone is better. He's able to do more with melodies, counter melodies, harmonies, that kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. and I think like they started doing that in Microcastle, and they've kind of just yes. realized that okay, we can make an interesting song, we can make an interesting form as a band, and then mm-hmm. we can complement our vocalist, which is our main asset. You're exactly. Yes, I agree with that completely. And that's, you know, you know, to, to, to provide a little bit of behind the scenes information. Uh, that's part of the reason I love Deer Hunter and I really wanted to do a podcast like this mm-hmm. is because to me, it's one of the most explicit, like in, in your face evolutions of a band that you can see between they're like, I think a lot of this stuff normally happens behind the scenes right. before a band ever gets to release music. No. And I think what's so cool about deer hunter as a group is that you get to see a lot of this stuff on their albums as it happens. Yeah. <laughs> and so you get to capture a band in transition. And I think especially this EP is a transition from the Microcastle weird era into what's coming next for them um and yeah a little bit excited oh get ready um get hyped but before we do that um do you want to do some least favorite some favorite least favorite yeah stuff uh so like i'm uh, i want to do i want to do um yeah so i haven't i have a problem with this one okay i i struggled with this as well i have like i've written down several names and i haven't quite narrowed it down yet because like also now that I've been talking to you, I know which one you like a lot. So I have. Oh, do you? I have. Uh, I have a. I have an issue because that might be my least favorite song. But with oh. the caveat being that it's like an eight point five. Right. There's no like. Let's be clear. There's no bad songs on this EP. Right. Like there's no song that we think is bad on this EP. Like, They're all quite we, good. We, we've just so, been like, we've just spent an hour gushing about all these songs. So it's like when right. I say that Game of Diamonds is my least favorite song on the album. Oh, you, you jerk! You jerk! No, but no, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Like you're like it's you know it's a seven point five to you or whatever. It's no, like it's not bad. It's higher than that. I think most okay, of them see, are like I mean. nines, and this one is just like right. an eight point five. It's just like yeah like it's it's not as like it's it's like a really interesting idea it just like didn't have as much movement didn't have as much motion as the other other songs You're right. like it's very simple yeah yeah yeah. It, it, yeah and it was just like a little bit slow but like i don't think that's a bad thing mm-hmm. <laughs> i feel guilty 
No, no, it's like the, the entire point of this segment, the favorite, least favorite, is subjectivity. Yeah. And you get to you get a platform to say whatever you want, your own personal feelings on a song. So please go ahead and and explain your favorite. And then also you could explain why a game of diamonds is terrible. Yeah. Well, I'm just kidding. I know, I know that's not what you mean. Uh, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like that's basically it. Like. Um, it just, it just had like a little bit less energy, a little bit, uh, less motion than the other song. So like of all of them, like it stuck with me the least, um, what stuck with me Mm -hmm. the most obviously, uh, was disappearing ink. Yeah. Um, I, I, I figured that's what you were going to say. It has to be my favorite song on the album just because, um, all of the dynamics are done through structure and form. Uh, and chord changes and like the foundations of the song rather than like any specific yeah. part. So mm-hmm. um, the idea that like you can build a very good song on paper before you even yeah, play yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, um, it's true. Is like a really good idea, like really good. Like that is what I like about music, being able to just like construct it on blueprints and then mm-hmm. like bring those <laughs> blueprints to a jam session and it just sounds amazing right away so yeah. it's like uh yeah, yeah it's like this idea of like success in construction and i think mm-hmm. that song is really good at that like disappearing ink is like just a really good form and everyone is able to do like really cool things on top of it bradford is able to once again just like uh have really good vocal melodies, have really good, like rhythmic phrasing. And, mm-hmm. um, all of the parts have like their distinct theme. I like that, like disappearing ink got its own theme. I like that there was like a, uh, sort of like a beginning phrase theme where they kind of like asked a question. And then there was like, mm-hmm. uh, an answer to the question. And then there was like a payoff to that and then disappearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ink. So like, yeah, it's it's a really cool form and it lasts a long time uh and yeah i i i like that song a lot i respect that a lot and i feel like to me i have not checked the like tempos of the song mm-hmm. but the pace of that song feels like the highest paced song because yeah, it's got a lot of energy it feels like it feels like a lot of energy because things are constantly changing. You're like, ooh, we're in a new place. Like, I've heard a lot of people describe, like, when you change keys, it feels like you're changing a room. Like, you're going to a different room. Ah. In this case, yeah, I've heard that described before. I would say, in this case, it's because it's not changing keys, but because you're changing chord, like, you know, sets of chord progressions so often, yeah. it feels like always something new is, is coming. You're always being presented with a new idea. Yeah. And I do really like that about Disappearing Ink. And it does get my bronze medal nice. on the list. Um, uh, I, I introduced this last time because it was too hard for me <laughs> to not, to not reap praise upon some of these songs. Yeah. So I introduced the podium in last episode. I'm going to use the podium again. Uh, I'll judge them. I'll <laughs> judge them like the German judge judging, uh, diving. I, I think they, exactly. I think they got like 8.5s, but that's just not, a, not good enough. <laughs> yeah. You gotta be, you gotta be ruthless because I can't. Do it. <laughs> um, but, uh, disappearing ink is my bronze. Um, famous last words is by silver. Um, once 
uh, it's honestly one that grew on me a lot. Initially, I was like, yeah, it's just kind of like a short little thing, whatever. And uh, the more I heard it and the more I kind of, like, once the idea clicked with me, and again, I, this is my own personal theory, once the idea clicked with me that it was, you know, the response to Justin Bosworth's skateboarding accident, I was like, that is such a cool thing to do yeah. in, like, a really, like, nice, lighthearted way. Oh, yeah. Like, you could do, you could do, a like, you know, a very, like, sorrowful ballad to the loss of your friend. Right. And I'm sure, like, you know, that's that's how they felt. But at the same time, to be, like, a tribute and something that you could also, like, go and skateboard in your garage to, <laughs> I think, I think is, like, is a, is, is a fitting way to send out a friend kind of thing. Yeah. You know, in a, a, something that fits what they would want to do. Yeah. However... <sighs> You know where my gold's going. My gold's going to Game of Diamonds. Absolutely. Cool, cool. Um, you know, as much as so far in Deer Hunter's discography, as I said before, the palate cleanser has been kind of a throwaway song mm-hmm. or has been the song that you're like, eh, it's okay. It's fine. Um, I think they've kind of finally found a way to start using the palate cleanser to be like, what can we do differently? And I think I said before already, but I'll restate again, that is my favorite vocal performance on yeah. this album. Like we talked yeah, about, no, you know, the discovery no of like... Yeah, the discovery of hey Bradford's actually a good singer, so why don't we (laughs) why don't we start giving him the space to really like explore that? Um, I think to me really shines on that song, but I would agree with you that on a lot on this entire EP that that's there for sure. Um, My least favorite, and I can explain why. And again, I think it's like a you know eight out of ten. But my least favorite is Rainwater Cassette Exchange. Interesting. Um, Only. Only because I have heard the live versions, and once you hear the live versions, I'm telling you, people, you can't go back once you've heard the live versions. So I, I sent you the link for it. If you listen to it or not, it doesn't matter. I have listened but, to it. Um, okay. So, so um, yeah, go ahead. Like they throw out the surf vibe. Yeah, entirely. they go like full on like '80s big beat new wave yeah. with it. So, and to me, it like it kicks up the energy so much. I really like it. Yeah, the the live performance you showed me had this rhythm where it's like yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so they they hit that course instead of like instead of any of like the waxing guitars or like any of like these slide stuff or any of like that Hawaiian vibes. It's yeah, like you were saying, like a really like heavy beat uh heavy bass uh heavy bass drum like beat song so like yeah yeah really really on the floor with that yeah uh, I really like that. And also, um, in the live versions, again, for those who haven't heard it, just go on YouTube, type in Deer Hunter Rainwater Cassette Exchange Live. You'll get lots of results. The iTunes session is is probably the best recording of it. Um, but I do really like... Um, also, Lockett gets like almost like a kind of like the edge where he's like doing like a, a palm muted mm-hmm. kind of like echoey yep. uh, like texture behind a lot of yep. it. I'm like, well, that's a cool texture. <laughs> I like that as well. Like in on the recorded version, his guitar part is like pretty understated. He's just kind of providing a lot of just like you know background kind of vibe, like we talked about the you know kind of like heat waves coming off the pavement. It's good. We appreciate it. Yeah. But like once he gets that really defined part on the live version, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that's what we needed. Like that to me. I really like that part. Yeah, it has um, a lot more energy will, for sure. Yeah, it has a lot more energy for sure. And I will leave this as a another future teaser. 
I think it gets even better in future eras of the band. There is a particular tour where they use this prominently in their live set, and I think it serves a great purpose. But we'll get to that when we get to that. All right. But for now, as it's presented, it's my least favorite, but I think it's still a great song. Yeah. Um, Um, Go ahead. So, albums... I mm-hmm. think I think at this point it's uh, a good idea, and we've had this conversation before about. Uh, actually, it was it was a deleted conversation about oh, yeah. about EPs versus <laughs> right. versus full length albums, and I've kind of yes. come around to, um, yeah, like this idea that Bradford had, where like they they are like more crystallized, more like. Uh, to the point ideas. Um, yeah. But why isn't all music making like that? <laughs> like, that is a great point. My, yeah, yeah. my idea is like, so like, why is, why is this only reserved for EPs rather than full length yeah, albums? Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't have to be like this. These are all good songs. Like, and, and be, just because they're like, some of them are like two minutes and 15 seconds doesn't mean they're any less good. It just means that they're not, yes. not as long. So, yes. Um, the idea that like, uh, this album has these really good songs on them still puts this album over top of other albums that don't have the same kind of consistent quality through each of their songs. I agree. I agree 100%. So, absolutely. So, in that. In that sense, in my mind, I believe that this album should be included with, like, all of them. And same with Fluorescent okay. Gray. Yep. I'm fine with that. Cool. I agree. Do you want Do you want me to give you my completely off-the-cuff rankings, then? Let's do it. Okay. I was not prepared for this, so I, re- I reserve the right to <laughs> rearrange these later. Cool, cool. But my... But this is based on my my feelings index, which, which is just how I feel right now in this how moment. How can we put that on the and stock exchange? What, was it, exactly. Is it going up? Is Someone, it going down? <laughs> it's an incredibly complicated formula. But I would say right now of the the albums and EPs that we've covered so far, right. Microcastle is my number one. Nice. I think the whole, you know, through narrative on that is excellent. You know, it has some of my favorite contributions by Josh on bass mm-hmm. ever. You don't need me to hear you don't need to hear me say all that again. Yep. Go listen to the Microcast episodes. But um my second is Rainwater Cassette Exchange EP. Yep. I think honestly, the songs on it are just so good mm-hmm. front to back. Like I know they wouldn't fit in terms of their recording quality right. or the the song composition or you know the narrative or whatever on any of the other albums. Right. But to me, they stand out as some of the best stuff that Deer Hunter's done to date. Yep. And then I would go into probably Cryptograms, Fluorescent Gray EP, and then turn it up. Uh, uh, oh, and sorry, uh, where Weird Era go? I guess Weird Era would go ooh. before Turn It Up, I think. I do really like, I mean, as we've discussed before, Weird Era has, you know, the Vox trilogy, yep. as I like to call it. Yep. Uh, and I love Vox Celeste. You you all know mm-hmm. this. I like um, I like Vox Humana, too. I think, it's, I think it's a fun little thing. And Vox Humana is excellent as well. I think for me, Weird Era just, like, has so many moments where I'm like, this is fine, yeah. but it's not really, like hitting it out of the park that the entire project gets you know like lowered in my rankings right but i still there it's got some excellent standouts Mm -hmm. and again like we've talked about before it's it's deer hunter i like a lot of it quite a bit so when i you know put it low in my rankings does not mean i dislike it at all um 
What would you say then? I had a curiosity. So, like, talking about Weird Era Continued, um, last time I put Weird Era Continued as my lowest-ranked album. And mm-hmm. the reason I did that was because, um, as an album, it didn't perform the same... Uh, it didn't perform as well as uh, Turn It Up In My Mind. Uh, I right. thought that, as an album, that it did its job. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It was angsty. It was angry. Some of the songs were like completely out of focus and crazy, but that was oh, the yeah. point. And each song, like they had, there was a narrative through line uh, through mm-hmm. that album, whereas Weird Air Continue didn't really have that. Um, uh, Rainwater Cassette Exchange is my favorite album. Oh, nice. Uh, and this is. I did not expect that. I love and that. And this is kind of the reason that I wanted to do this is because. Um, this has such a, a good album dynamic song by song. They're not necessarily mm-hmm. linked by theme, but like the motion of the moods and themes carry so well towards each one. Like you start with like a really relaxing, uh, beach side and then you go into disappearing yeah. ink, which has a lot of high energy. And then you have mm-hmm. like, you have that, like, that that roller coaster ride through each song like it goes up and then you have that little dive that goes down and then it goes up again at the very end with a lot of energy and then lead yeah. leads you out of the album and each song is a banger so like absolutely so you have this like trifecta like all of all of the parts of this album are really good concise and to the point and like yeah. as a package as a cassette maybe mm-hmm. um it would it would be that lightning bolt in the exchange that just like for that sure. idea that you pull this out of the, the your pocket it's got a really it it pops it's got a really good image it's got a really good art you plug it in it's all bangers straight through and people are like right. can i <laughs> can i like can i record that <laughs> can i right. can i copy that sort of thing right um yeah to this point if somebody asked me what i should listen to on deer hunter i would say this just plug this in give it a listen and yes. then and then my second is microcastle my third is fluorescent gray mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. cryptograms turn it up weird era yeah 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 so we're, we're pretty similar towards the bottom of the rankings there mm-hmm. i was gonna say I was I was thinking the same thing in my back in the back of my head. If someone was looking for an entry point to Deer Hunter yeah. to be like, what should I listen to? I've never listened to a Deer Hunter song. I would listen to this front to back, and it's 15 minutes of your time, and then you're like, okay, I, either you know, like this. This is like I I think in a way uh, we'll get to it, but I think this is towards their like peak pop appeal mm-hmm. kind of thing, where they're like, this is I, the most straightforward, the most you know, clear cut crystallized, you used yeah. that word earlier, uh, that it's going to be kind of thing where if you like, if you're distilling things down to its core elements while at the same time, everyone kind of reaching this peak of like, we're, we've really figured out what it is that we do and that we do well. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of like now hitting their stride and it it's, it comes together in a great way. I love this EP a lot. You said a, you said a peak towards, towards what? I did. Towards what? Um, do you want to do a game show as our last thing, or do you want to do my tease for uh, up, Halcyon it's Digest up to you. first? 
Let's let's do let's do the tease into Halcyon Digest. Let's do the tease into Halcyon Digest. That that was too good of a transition. I can't do that. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't throw away that transition. Um, yes. So this comes out one year before their next album, which is Halcyon Digest. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm taking a big breath. Yeah. Um, so you've uh, you, like I said before, you've been starved on this. Uh, I have. As a side effect of this podcast, you have not listened to any Deer Hunter out of order. That is correct. So (laughs) I have have refused to listen to any Deer Hunter that we have not yet covered on the show since we started the show. We've been doing this for months now, and uh, (laughs) there are some songs that I really like that are some of my favorite songs that I have not, uh, I have deprived myself of listening to. And I've heard this is good. Um, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to keep my expectations as low as I possibly can, uh, right. not to spoil myself, but I, uh, I've heard this is good by various sources, including you. Um, okay, good. And I'm glad it's not just me. And, uh, and like, uh, this is, if not like their most famous album, but like their most popular yeah, it's certainly one of like probably two or three of their most popular albums. Most people, when they talk about Deer Hunter, they're like so Halcyon Digest. It, it contains a lot of the songs that become like absolute staples of their live cate- uh, like live repertoire yeah. kind of thing. Um, and let me let me just like give you some teasers of some things that we'll talk All about right. during the next episode. So, Halcyon Digest. The Deer Hunter finally changes labels. They get signed to a new record label, so they have budget to work with. They change studios and producers, so they Uh move to a new studio, and they get a new producer. And uh, a little bit of a Bradford quote, and then a little bit of a Trent teaser that I've personally put together. Bradford said in an interview with Wired, It is the most diverse album we've made it functions as a great introduction because it contains a little bit of everything we've done, but then it goes further out. <laughs> but then it goes further beyond. Uh-oh. Right. We're going to go Super Saiyan and 3. I think, that, I, I think that last bit is absolutely true. <laughs> and then my personal teaser uh, for why I think this this album is, is exciting to get people hyped to go listen to it and, and then you know come back and, and listen to us talk about mm-hmm. it is... Um, Dave, have you ever seen the the film uh, Memento? Memento, it's the Christopher Nolan movie that I was very obsessed with during high school. I have. I don't know if I may. I don't know if we watched it together I, or not. I know you were. Uh, you talked about it a lot, and you told <laughs> me about it a lot. I yeah. have not okay. seen it. Okay, so that film asks a similar question that Halcyon Digest asks. Okay. Which is, and this is, you know, this is my own interpretation, but I, I do feel is, is pretty relevant. Nice. I think Halcyon Digest and Memento both ask the same questions. What parts of our past do we keep? Mm. What parts do we distort with time? And can we even trust ourselves to be reliable narrators? Is it, is it all story? a hologram? Is it all hologram or, you know, what to what level of past events have we changed in our minds over time or we only have one perspective on and how do we digest those halcyon days <laughs> um Ooh, and so that is what we will explore on our next episode nice 
Uh, we will dive into Halcyon Digest. Please join us for that. If you want to hang out for a little bit longer, it's a beer hunt Let's episode. We're going to do some fun stuff. Um, we're going to do a game show. So this game show is called <laughs> Turn It Up or Hold Up, Stop the Track. <laughs> and so <laughs> I imagine if you're like an, an artist who's laying down vocals and I'm like the person in the recording booth okay. and as we're going through like, yo, turn it up in the headphones. Like, yeah, like you're feeling it or you're going to say, no, hold up, stop the track. I'm not feeling it at all. <laughs> what I've done is I've, I have three questions for you and okay. how these questions work is I've grouped uh, band names based on a similar word. And what I want to highlight is how ridiculous it is that so many bands in indie rock recycle the exact same words in their band names. Interesting. So I'm going to read you a ba- uh, band name, and if you think it's legit, then you say, turn it up, and then we go on to the next one. If you think it's bullshit, you can say, hold up, stop the track. So okay. at a certain point, I'm going to keep listening to them, and you have to decide at what point I'm starting to just completely bullshit you. <laughs> All right. All right. Okay. Well, so if I if I just keep saying turn it up, will you just keep going? Unfortunately, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I have prepared some of these so that I'm not like completely improving, but if I start to really stumble, then I guess you'll figure it out pretty quick. <laughs> um, but I did like give myself enough of a pad where I'm like I think it around this point Dave might call it, but we'll see how it goes. I don't know. I don't know. These <laughs> these names yeah. can be pretty dense. <sighs> That's what I mean. Um, so you'll know the very first one is obviously a real band. Uh, okay. And then beyond that point, it'll be a bit of a challenge. So question one. The first band is Wolf Parade. The second band is Wolf Mother. Okay. So I've never heard of Wolf Parade before. So I'm already at a loss. <laughs> <laughs> We're friends and you don't know Wolf Parade? That's upsetting to me. I might have to. I've check worn them out. their T-shirt around you. <laughs> Dang it! Okay, well I might have to check okay. them out. That's okay. How are they? They're great. They're uh, Canadian. Oh, uh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, Wolf... Maybe, maybe future episodes. We'll see. Wolf Mother. Um. Hmm. What what database are we using here? Are we using? Are we using uh, just American database, or are we uh, are we expanding to the world? Are span- this is the world, technically. It is the world. Some of these bands are not from North America. Okay, so um, if we have, but like I tried to make keep them fairly like prominent slash relevant. Okay, it's not like I'm not going super obscure. Wolf Mother, I would say yes. Turn it Correct. up. So that that's that's a turn it up for sure. Wolf Alice. Turn it up or hold up, stop the track. Wolf Alice. Turn up. Yeah, all right. You're good so far. Um, Wolf on the radio. (laughs) Turn it up. (laughs) All right. Wolf yay. Okay, you didn't say that was a good track. You didn't say it was a good one, so I feel like I've gone too far. So I'm going to say hold up. Yeah, that is correct. Dang it. So I... I, my, my trick with these to try and make them believable is I did just, like, repurpose other uh, other existing things in the indie sphere to make them uh, sound believable. Yeah, so, like, uh, so you, you said that. It was like, okay, so, like, Wolf, are, are we going to stay with the Wolf theme or are we going to go from Wolf Mother to Mother Mother to... <laughs> right. No, no, sorry. Let me be clear. I'll, I'll be very clear next time. They're always, like, there's a, a, one word that kind of stays consistent throughout a lot of them. 
Yeah, Wolf um, Alice to so, Alice in Chains to... <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I wasn't going to do that. That one was was the Wolf category. Okay. <laughs> um, but I do find it funny how many other bands have Wolf in them. I didn't include Sea Wolf. Um, there's a Remy Wolf. I did not include her, but there, there's quite a few other people that have Wolf in their names. Uh, but Wolf on the radio is just a uh, a flip of TV on the radio nice. because they have a band, they have a song called uh, Wolf Like Me, and I was like, ha, clever. Um <laughs> And then also Wolf Ye is obviously Kanye West uh, because he has a song called Wolves. So I put him on there as well. All right. Um, ones that we did not get to was Wolf Ran, Wolf Ran, a.k.a. Duran Duran for Hungry <laughs> Like the Wolf, and Wolf Kira for Shakira She-Wolf. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next category. Our first band is Deer Hunter. Our second band is Deer Hoof. Really? Why, why would you, um, but what does, what does it mean? What does the name mean? What does it imply? What is deer it's hoof? It's all one word. I know, but like, I'm trying to conceptualize deer hoof as a band. <laughs> it's like, what are they right. trying to do? What is their, are they northern, uh, northern American, like hunting rock? Or is it this? <laughs> I'm going to say turn Hunting it up. rock is an interesting category. Turn it up. Deer tick. You're giving, two words. You're giving me less clues, and that that makes I'm, me. I'm taking notice that I was too obvious last time, so I'm being very nervous. neutral with my responses. Deer tick. This, so, deer tick. Two words. Deer tick, like the insect. Stop the track. Ooh, interesting. Deer tick is a real band, as is deer hoof. <laughs> They are both real bands. Um, and in fact, I had one more real band for you that I wanted to outline how ridiculous this band is that they exist. Um, there is a band called The Deer Hunter, but D-E-A-R, as in like deer whoever when you're starting yeah. a letter. There is a separate band called The Deer Hunter. <laughs> and so you have Deer Hunter and The Deer Hunter. Wow. They're both bands in the indie sphere, and it's ridiculous, in my opinion. Um, the other ones that I uh, put in here, that the only funny one I thought was I did put in Deer Police Club as one of my <laughs> very last ones of like, okay, at a certain point you're gonna you're gonna figure it out, um, just because they have a song called Bambi. Uh, Tokyo Police Club has know, a song called Bambi. I, they do. It's a great song. Nice. Check it out. The keyboard bit is awesome. Nice uh, from the album Champ that turned uh, ten a, uh, a little while ago. It's a, it's a great song. Nice. Um, anyways, uh, check out that whole album's great. Um, next Shout out category. To Tokyo Police Club. Okay. Um, question number three, category number three. All right. First band is called Soccer Mommy. Okay. <laughs> the second band is called Adult Mom. Okay. Uh, turned up. The next band is called Mom Mom Club. Oh, turn it up for sure. The next band is called Mother John Misty. Turn up. I like that. I like that name. The next band is called Mother of the Bride. Ah, uh, that sounds believable too, but like, that's also a, I'll say stop the track. Okay. <laughs> you are correct that Mother of the Bride is false, but I did take you for a bit of a ride on that one. Dang it. Uh, <laughs> so Soccer Mommy is real and Adult Mom is real. The rest are fake. <laughs> um, so Mom Mom Club is a joke on the, uh, is a joke on Tom Tom Club, which is a side project of the bassist and drummer, the husband and wife power couple from Talking Heads. Oh, cool. Uh, Genius of Love. Great song. Been sampled many times. Check it out. Um, 
The next one was a spoof on Father John Misty, uh, a guy who was in Fleet Foxes who's done his own solo project. And then Mother of the Bride was a spoof on Vampire Weekend's album and song called Father of the Bride. Um, But the reason especially I wanted to save Soccer Mommy and Adult Mom for last (laughs) is I tried to find the research on this and I can't find the... uh, the article on it, but I swear, I, th- I don't know if this is a, Mel- a Mandela effect thing, but uh, I swear at some point there was a major music publication. It wasn't like Pitchfork, but I want to say it was like NME or like a Stereo Gum or somebody mm-hmm. who had to is- issue an apology because they wrote a whole, a whole article about one of these two bands, either Soccer Mommy or Adult Mom. And as, then said, as the other band. As the other band and then had nice. to issue a retraction being like, we are so sorry. What we meant <laughs> to say was the other one. And I thought that was like so peak indie rock where it's like so many of the bands <laughs> sound the same. And like they, like the music doesn't sound the same between right. between those two at all. I actually do enjoy uh, songs from both of those bands. But uh, I think it's funny. The, the names of the bands are so similar <laughs> that even like the music press mixed them up for an entire article. That's so nuts. anyways, I just wanted to, I wanted to highlight that if someone can find that article uh please find it please send it to i haven't done this before but i'll try and do it uh save by old times podcast at gmail.com if you find that article please send it to me i i would love to read it again oh baby because uh, i thought it i thought it was really funny uh, and that can be our sign off so uh thank yeah. you all very much for listening yeah uh i hope you enjoyed rainwater cassette exchange ep we'll be back We'll be back. We will for, be back for Halcyon Digest. Halcyon Digest. Oh. I've waited. I'm sure some of you out there have waited, uh, but it is finally time. Let us unpack our memory palaces. Let us <laughs> let us finally explore the things you know hidden deep within our brain. We'll get there. Uh, but Dave, but what should what should we do until then? Until then, you have a wonderful day. Bye.